0: Hello and welcome to the Tapping Up podcast with myself, Daryl, and as always, Ian, the big three zero this week. Is it? Yeah.
1: you not been keeping your eye on the episodes? I, I lost track. It's more than that, technically, I suppose, isn't it, with the um, double, taps double taps and the, uh, the tapping cup? Tapping it's cup. probably a bit officially, but for the main episode, happy 30th to us.
0: Happy 30th anniversary. It's gone quite quickly, actually. I don't even remember when we started it, but...
1: August, I think. Is that? I think maybe. I have to guess, but um.
0: A big fan in uh, Bulgaria or Brussels. Sorry, please get in touch and let us know when you first started listening to us. Um, I'm sure he'll love it on his diary and stuff as the.
1: Before we go into the usual more structured approach that we've got now, um, did you see this week? We're seeing as we like to start, and I'm sure this will be more interesting to people than Twitter on one of the ones that I the, doubt the, it. the seven minutes that we talked about uh, before. Did you see top fifty highest paid ever or athletes of all time? No. So this list came out in terms of, um, as it sounds, top fifty <laughs> athletes. Surprisingly, <laughs> athletes of all time. But what it had done to make it um, m- allow comparison purposes is it had inflation adjusted earnings. So for old or older sportsmen of different eras, it had accounted for. That into the factors. So before so, we get
0: into this, because you like to ask this question a lot, what constitutes highest earners? So is it outside earnings? Is it just in the sport? Is
1: it sponsors? No idea whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> apart from what led me onto this was that I saw on some sites about Connor making this. Now McGregor, pu- McGregor, uh, purely based on the figures that Connor hits. It must be all earnings across outside of sports as well. So I'm guessing sponsorship and things like that, because Connor alone is an eye-watering, staggering figure. Um, and then um, we can come on. I was going to ask you. Connor hits at 33. Number 33, six hundred and fifteen million dollars.
0: Is that with? Um, is it proper twelve that he sold? That's
1: right. I think that the rumours were. Of six hundred which must be wrong, six hundred million dollars or so that he made from that, which means he 's only ever made fifteen million in other areas, which is a complete nonsense, so well immediately, we, we, what
0: Dan appears you don 't know
1: you, you don 't know, and of course, the accuracy of this uh, this is on the website Sportico, so the business of sport uh, so again, this could be complete nonsense, but I thought for a purely comparison purposes and a bit of a chat and a bit of a a jumping point of of, uh, a a chat there was a few I was going to pick out so Connor was on there at at number 33 Um, one that I was simply staggered to see I have to be honest number 25 675 million dollars Valentino Rossi driving a motorbike mind-blowing the
0: most famous MotoGP
1: definitely and by a million miles I mean name me another one
0: uh Michael Carl something wasn't Michael there Schumacher's a... brother.
1: Um but so agreed, but that I, I had no idea that you could make that kind of money, uh, or even being the best of the best at that. Um Neymar hits at number 17, $855 dollars. Uh sixteen, Mike Tyson, eight hundred and seventy-five million dollars. Um you then get a couple that just uh t- Beckham hits twelve. 1.28 billion. Schumacher, which shocked me, at 1.31 billion. Has anyone even seen him for about 10 years? Cause he's yeah,
0: but I suppose if it's taken into account inflation, F1 drivers get a shit ton. And uh, there'll be loads of other sponsorships as well, as you say. Schumacher's probably arguably the most famous F1 driver of all time.
1: Yeah, him and maybe. Um, so famous, I can't remember Brazilian that died. Ayrton Senna. Yeah. Him and Senna. The, In terms of film, fame, yeah. I think um, I'd agree with you. Schumacher's the best, probably, but statistically. But can you give me the top five? Anyone who have a quick interest at the top five? Um, I'm at least guess... not even just give five names no order. I won't hold you to the official ranking of the order. But so if
0: I don't get it right, then uh, you're not going to just end the podcast and storm out or all like that. <laughs> um, Tag Awards is up there.
1: Number two, two point five billion dollars.
0: Michael Jordan is definitely
1: number one. Number one, three point three billion dollars. Which is ridiculous,
0: But again, that's
1: I I'll take a bet with you now, there's not a chance you'd get three and four. I wouldn't even got a three and four.
0: But I'll get five.
1: Yeah. Potentially.
0: Ooh, it's not a footballer. No, it can't be a footballer it number can't be five messy. Is
1: try again ronaldo have, ronaldo 1.58 billion apparently at number five from what from like his stupid
0: adverts be, it must and be
1: messi just for clarity is seven 1.48 billion separated by lebron james but three and four i'll be honest you could give me a million guesses and i don't think i would have gotten one
0: uh i'm definitely i'll even not, tell you not the just sport
1: and that comfort golf, googling this now golf both golf
0: uh, when you say
1: golf, they are both famous names. Certainly, miles out of your era.
0: So it's not Ram or anyone like that. No, not Mac. No, Christ, it can't be McElroy. Way older. Both. Not, not way Mickelson. Older.
1: Mickelson is at t- number ten at 1.36 billion, which is crazy. Old but golfers. Happy Gilmore. One has a, a, a an event I think named after him. I mean, they both maybe do, but one particularly is the something Invitational uh mr so, open so i'll put you out of your misery number three arnold palmer 1.7 billion he turned pro in 1954
0: oh right yeah right up my street uh, when i was he young he says
1: retired 2006 i don't think he played for 50 years i'm already guessing but maybe and number four jack nicholas 1.63 billion played from 1961 to 2005
0: would probably earned more. Money. I, I bet yeah, there'll be a lot more golfers on that list in ten to fifteen years' time because of all that's happened the with LIV thing. Yeah, yeah, you're
1: probably Absolutely. right. But um, yeah, just sorry, we've gone slightly down a rabbit hole. But I just thought that was st- three golfers in the top five. It's not anywhere near one of the most popular sports, is it?
0: It's just a lot of money in it, and that. I, 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 be honest, I'm more surprised that there isn't more F1 drivers. I thought Hamilton would be up there.
1: Hamilton is 19 in the list. So he's the next highest after Schumacher. Is Senna fair. up there? Senna doesn't make the list. The only other one, which it says F1, or it's got a driving bike, but I don't think I've ever heard of him, so it might be wrong. Jeff Gordon. Now, is he maybe a NASCAR? They've got a racing car bike. Uh, bike. I know, I know that... his brother, Flash. <laughs> so I've got no idea who he is. Um, the only one that I did think might have been higher comes in at number... Uh, but both could have been higher. my and, and Eight is Mayweather, 1.41 billion. Yeah. Nine, Federer, 1.38 billion. Which, again, both probably about right.
0: What on earth is going on outside? Yeah. Just protest, on a separate note. yeah. There, there protest to about
1: be... <laughs> too much money being made in sport outside <laughs> with people beeping their horns. People um, trying to
0: get onto the uh, Tapping Up podcast. That is fucking horrendous. What is it? couple of clans driving down that the ends. street I think but, yeah. um... anyway, back to uh, the main event, we went to the greatest <laughs> event known to man this past weekend didn't we
1: feel like it's it's good for you, first live MMA event to have gone to such a load of bullshit compared <laughs> to what we've got coming up next week, and uh we'll probably discuss next week's episode is a a preview of UFC 286 which we are obviously going to in London but we went to Cage Steel 31 didn't we ringside tickets
0: we did um I cage entry tickets were so close weren't we we got there all excited having walked past a giant swimming pool um someone sat in a seat straight away (laughs) some young
1: kids had to turf some (laughs) local Donny uh cunts out didn't we get out of the seats and they just move without even questioning it which tells me they weren't even um, the no, i think table. they turned
0: around and said oh i think we're on the table next to us and then they just walked off <laughs> quite clearly not a vip and guest. it became
1: obvious later didn't they that they were supporting one of the fighters they're just mates of one of the fighters uh in the event but um, couldn't afford the ticket
0: to so get them out they're not having our vip chicken and chips ridiculous Um we did check out the vegetarian option because it said they were a vegetarian option. It was indeed just chips. chips. Yeah, just chips. Chips and mayo. Chips, oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, chips coleslaw. And mayo. oh, coleslaw. Sorry, you forget about the coleslaw. They were do, like don't, a, don't do a disservice. The biggest tub of tomato sauce I've ever seen in my life. Um,
1: we had Doncaster's own... <laughs> Dana White, yeah. in his £70 ASOS suit, which, which you looked at.
0: We've actually put a video on our Twitter page, if you want to see him. Um, tried to give him some free publicity and, and tag Cage Steel into our Twitter account. Ignored it, didn't they? Uh,
1: and Ignored looked like he'd stolen his shoes from the local um, bowling Bottling arena. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, and um, I think the funniest thing is the suit that he was wearing was actually the same suit that he was wearing in the previous event, and I think it's from ASOS. And it costs about 80 quid. so. But yeah, all in all, interesting night. Um, fighting wasn't of the best standard, but that's to be expected. The Leeds lad, who we did a little bit of a talk on last week, walked into the ring, was there for about 40 You're getting 40 a bit carried away,
1: weren't you? Excited in terms of, he's going to do it. Leeds started chatting. Leeds, Leeds, Leeds are walking in. I'm still shaking my head to you again. Don't fuck with Dagestanis. They are one of the most hardened... Race of people you'll ever see. How long did the fight go? 40 seconds. (laughs) He's got (laughs) absolutely smashed. The most funny thing is we were both joking about was he going to do what we'll technically call a a Kamaev, which is launch himself across the ring in the first second and take him down. Out of the blue, the Dagestani was was trading with him, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, Dagestan via Sheffield, which is, is, is a bizarre path to tread into professional fighting, but oh, um, absolutely smashed him, didn't he? Yeah,
0: it? and he came out, didn't he? I was giving him the Leeds salute, which he completely ignored. I was going, Leeds Leeds. Yeah, no interest in it whatsoever. As he walks out, I do the same again. He looks at me as if I'm some on the bottom of his shoe and just goes, Cheers! And then just walks off. Um, so I'm now well known in Doncaster as the biggest Leeds fan that there is.
1: I can't think of a... Race of person, if someone said to me, you've got to fight for your life, right, who am I fighting? Someone from Dagestan, I'd be like, just kill me now. I'm just, (laughs) I'm going to lose. They are, it's, made the point last week, I feel it's worth making again. But look at, I mean, for the size of the country, in terms of its population, look how many top level MMA fighters are from there. They so the pop the, the percentage as it were compared to their population is ridiculous. They are a different level.
0: We're not including that on my predictions, are we? Because no, I was uh, going to say. I, did, I, I mean, feel it, like it
1: went exactly the way we suspected <laughs> it. it once you said you gave him the kiss of death by saying that he was going to win, but
0: um, I think the biggest annoyance for me about the entire event and one thing that I'd change if if um, Dana-White is listening is the fact that they said, here's the the main event of the evening, which was indeed the Leeds lad who was coming in, and he'd apparently taken the fight on short notice. That wasn't the last fight of the evening, though. There was another three random cage boxing fights, one of which were fixed because the guy absolutely battered the other guy, and then the kid who had been battered got his son to come in, started celebrating before they announced that he'd won, and then there was no way that he'd won that fight
1: but well, it was it was weird wasn't it because it was billed when we had a look at it as an evening of MMA caged boxing and K1 rules of kickboxing so we went through main event and we were a bit like oh, I was going to finish a bit early because it had dragged on a bit and wasn't the highest level of quality and then without any of these other um you know styles involved and then it was Caged boxing, I think two fights, wasn't it, after the main event. Yeah. And then finished with a K one fight. Why didn't they intersperse that into the night? I have and build, no idea. it was it was it was it was a it bizarre was... ending to the to the evening, I thought. And a bit of a put it out on a bit of a damp squib, particularly when they'd made a bit the last few MMA fights had a bit of an intro, didn't they? Yeah. They had a bit of a lights out. They had um, you know, made a bit more of a UFC style entrance.
0: I started panicking a little bit because we were ca it were versus were it Charlie or someone like that, or Callum? Callum, Callum. Callum. Uh, no disrespect to those fighters, I'm sure they don't listen to this podcast anyway, but um, they were behind us in the cheap seats, should we say. Cause One was of the thought, best bits uh, of yeah, like this. yeah, They just started arguing with each other. There were a woman who was shouting, come on, Timo! And they Fuck got-
1: him up! She <laughs> said that about ten times, not she? Fuck him up! Which is getting progressively more and then guy- with it
0: purposely winding her up, just shouting for the other guy, which was a kid called Callum, but turning around and staring at her as he says it. And it got to the point where she turned around and said, don't make me take my shoe off, as if she was going to stab him with a heel.
1: I think more people were watching their kerfuffle verbally in the crowd than the actual fight at this point, would not it? But it's when she's going, fuck him up, screaming it at the top of her lungs.
0: uh, But um, first and last for Cage Steel, enjoyable. Don't think I'll do it again. No. But something else happened later on in that, that night, didn't it? That we, we didn't, in all honesty, stay up for. Uh, I can't lie. I did wake up for it, though, uh, and watch the main event. John Bones Jones. Undisputed heavyweight champion of the world.
1: Said about it, didn't I? Stick your, when he was a, came in as an underdog to start with a, few episodes, a fair few episodes ago now, I said, stick your mortgage on it if it was ever going to happen.
0: Smashed him. Absolutely destroyed game.
1: I feel, I don't know if there's an element of, it feels a bit like, which we can come on to, the Liverpool Man U match of, Jones was very, very good. And I'm not, I think it's probably harsh to say um, gain wasn't very good, but whether he got caught in the... I would the, say, the like he, a he in the it, headlights. Absolutely yeah. what he looked like, didn't he? I think maybe the stage was too big for him. Um, he, that, that's ex- literally the perfect metaphor for what he looked like. He just looked startled, didn't he? didn't, hadn't had time to acclimatise. Um, the thing that I found quite strange is when you I watched it back, it's very clear what Jones is doing in terms of a guillotine. It's a bit awkward because he's got him against a cage. It's a bad position for Gane to be in. But even the commentators are like, oh my God, what's going on, what's going it's a pretty standard move. I mean, how many times did we see people trying to do guillotines at cage deal? It's, you know, in, in that position that you end up in, and I was saying to you a lot of times, this is a hard move to land at yeah. that point, but yeah. um, it didn't look like a more orthodox guillotine. And I think even the commentators were kind of like, what's was he doing? What's he, he going? And yeah. it, As you say, I mean, it was a quick tap, but when you re-watched it, that was deep. I was going to say, uh, a twisted neck. A, a, maybe a quick tap, but,
0: He's not getting out of it. There's, there's absolutely no way to get out of it. Once it's in that deep, um, there were no questions about He's it. He's
1: up against the cage, like folded in yeah. half as well. It's an awful position to end up in with a man of John Jones' calibre on top of your wrestling boys. Did
0: you see, it's gone a bit viral, but did you see DC's face and his reaction to um, Jones winning this?
1: I think I did. But what I think I saw was I didn't see that. I think I saw a video posted afterwards because of who was celebrating in the background. You see, this is David Goggins. So I've said to you a few times, he's been on on Rogan and he was behind. Rogan's obviously got him the tickets because he was directly behind Rogan. But he was going crazy. And I found he was a bit of a distraction. I was watching him, but he didn't look happy by all accounts. No, he he didn't uh, look happy at
0: all, which was was quite funny. I think um, Jones has come out and made a bit of a joke afterwards, essentially saying, couldn't even pretend to smile
1: for me. Um, but But doesn't that in some ways, if you're DC and you've got bested by Jones... Doesn't that actually reinforce that you lost to the best? Yeah. Like, if anything, he should be happy. Like, it 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 shows how good he was. Of what he, it kind of almost reaffirms his accomplishments. That the only person I think he ever lost to was Don Jones twice. Well, once one was a no decision, wasn't it? But everyone knows it was twice. Yeah, it was definitely twice.
0: Um, but yeah, back on top and back immediately on top of the pound for pound rankings
1: on the UFC. I said to you, they came out, I don't know how long after the fight they updated. I We discussed before, I like, as my marker, the MMAfighting.com rankings. And he actually only hit number three on that, which I thought was a, a discussion point. So uh, they still had the, the current two, who obviously fought only a few weeks ago, Volkanovski and Makalev, still above him. But the UFC, given... It's a private business and Dana's talked about him being the best. It was no real surprise to me that he went straight into number one, but I think that's deserved personally. I was going to
0: say, which one would you prefer or which one would you agree with? I think he has
1: to be number one, but I can equally see the argument of one fight in three years just catapults him straight back in. But I'll go a step further than saying he's the pound for pound number one. He's got to that to me, affirms him as the number one MMA fighter ever. Got to be the go. If Khabib came
0: back, for example, though, immediately won the title back in his first fight, would you not expect him to absolutely skyrocket up the ranks? Maybe not number one as Jones has come back, but certainly number two. Definitely.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, the only thing on that that would be a bit... Wouldn't happen anyway, because Khabib seems very st- stoic in that he won and done, but obviously above him is Makalev, who's at his weight. So again, to come back and to catapult in, like that, he would have to be fighting Makalev, who is his protégé. So, And again, as we've said, if you beat someone, there's definitely an argument you should be above him in the rankings. Um, But for me, Confirmed status is the best ever. Him and GSP, miles out as as one and two for me. Best ever.
0: There's been an announcement this week as well for a fight that, personally, I'm quite looking forward to it. Um, UFC 288 it is. Sterling is defending his title. Are you surprised to see who it is that he's defending the title against? I'm going to allow you to pronounce his name so I don't get it wrong, but... Sahujo. Correct.
1: Um, Really surprised. I mean, I think it's more a statement on the status of the bantamweight division, and there's no more marketable fights. Uh, I mean, he did retire as a champ. Hasn't fought for three years. May 2020 was his last fight, Sahujo, and... um,
0: it's not in... this kind
1: of bullshit to be going through. I mean, same in some ways, John Jones's status in that upper echelon of greatest ever it, uh, was was discussed before the rankings. If anyone deserved a fight, title fight in their fight back, it's him to Sahujo.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong here. He's not in the rankings, is he? in terms of the top 15 he's for been retired the US for for, yeah. for
1: for a while. So yeah, he's, 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 been taken he's, out. he's just been he's just a bit catapulted straight in. Um he Often referred to, I mean, again, probably because he hasn't fought for three years. You may be um, slightly more unfamiliar with him, but he he gave himself the own nickname, which is the King of Cringe. That his promotion <laughs> was the level like he he it felt very forced. He was very clearly trying to do a Connor with smack talk and putting talking shit, taking videos of himself. Nowhere near, you know, hasn't got that natural uh, wit. And flair that Connor would have like that. But yeah, he gave himself the title, the King of Cringe. So you don't think he should be getting a title shot straight away? Definitely not. When you've got, I mean, Bantamweight, we had Yan. We've got um, Sugar Shane. Um, Well,
0: Yan's fighting this weekend. The fight night,
1: but that fight is correct me if I'm wrong. You said two eight eight. Is it not like July or August something like that? So it's, a, it's not. It's, it's a up, white. Up I think cover. it's
0: June or July. Yeah. So you so. could
1: see how, you know, if Jan won particularly, he might bump himself back up the rankings. And if it was quick or he came out without any damage, and obviously they fought twice already, Sterling and Jan three times. Is it? Three I want to say is it not three? Because there was the disqualification. There was a Sterling win, which was the last one for the title. Uh, I wouldn't disagree with you, mate. Maybe it's like one, one and one, which again, even then, more so means surely that should happen before the the three-year retired... It's only two. Right it's only wrong.
0: two. Yeah, so it would be the trilogy.
1: So for me, that, that fight makes itself. You've got, um, you know, Sugar Shane O'Malley um, on the back of the win over Yan, which was controversial and we discussed at the time, there as well. And Zuhujo just skips the queue like that. I'm 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 not convinced myself that that's deserving. Has O'Malley got a fight lined up? Not that again, you may well correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe not, I'm he aware does. Of. Um I'll be honest, I wasn't aware that Jan did have either. So who's Jan fighting?
0: Um I was hoping you wouldn't ask me this because for whatever reason and this is UFC especially, I think, and certainly a recurring joke on this podcast. Not a chance, can I say his name? Uh is it Dushvili? something along those lines yeah uh
1: georgian yes yeah yeah um i mean again i haven't got the rankings in front of me i would guess he's between is he as high as that
0: yan is second and he is third
1: wow i was gonna say i would have thought he would be top five or six certainly but i didn't realize he was as high as that
0: Vera and sandhagen are fourth and fifth and sean o'malley is number one which is i think we've had this conversation before which is quite interesting um but yeah so quite a big fight for the, the division there, for the, the Bantamweight division, because you would expect whoever wins out of that would then fight the winner of the fight at 288. And if it's Sterling, you would expect that you might be seeing a Sterling-Yan trilogy.
1: Yeah, or, or conversely, does Yan win quickly um, and they then replay him O'Malley because it was a bit of a controversial one? And then the clear winner of that takes... Like around the Christmas. Yeah. I mean like but... they, they what they could do is put that on the same card. So you had like a little bit of a, a bantam weight, you know, for the title and then for the next contender. Sometimes they do that, but just to say, just to um give another option that might happen because it was a it was a very controversial decision, wasn't it? No.
0: Battered him. I actually really enjoyed that fight, I'll be honest. I still remember watching it um before we went out in Ponty, wasn't it? It was. And yeah, it, it was really controversial. There's no way whatsoever that he won that fight. I still remember saying to you, "He's lost that fight." But I think the we were
1: both 100, percent in agreement. There's, again, we we often disagree for maybe for argument's sake, or but you know, uh, but, well, but you we do. were both 100 percent certain that yeah, I won that fight, weren't we? But Watching I remember it and
0: that, discussing it on the podcast. It was more that I remember turning around to you and saying, "He's lost that fight," but I know that they're going to give him it because he did. of which is is it's Down wrong. In way, your shed, yeah, wasn't it?
1: But, yeah, <laughs> the Wendy House. It's, uh, it's what it's more effectually known as. Um, interesting, though, as I say, to, to me, probably more indicative that that might sell more fights. I think that, again, that I feel like the UFC's in a little bit of a, a stagnation point that Connor's coming back, obviously, but because of the way the filming of the, the Ultimate Fighter and things work, that's going to be for a little while. They've had what we both tend to agree is number two star in terms of John Jones just back now and he might be a quick turnaround given what he's done it feels to me like they're trying to fill that void a little bit and
0: just wanted to have a quick check and just a correction UFC 288 is May the
1: 6th well okay so, so, so that's a bit, a bit earlier than yeah. I thought right so that, that does then make some sense so you would think that that fight happens maybe Sugar Shane's already got the winner
0: yeah and there's no chance whatsoever that the undercard is going to include any fight like that because the have all got. I think we said. I think we were talking about it earlier on. It's uh, Dariush and Oliveira on that.
1: Came together quite quickly. That card, though, in yeah, terms of they announced done. it pretty quickly, and I, I, the full you mentioned here, yeah. me about it, and before you know it, they announced it, and there seemed to be a full card. So um, it seemed to be pulled together quite quickly. I mean, from the tone of your text, would I be right in saying you were surprised that Dariush was getting Oliveira?
0: Yeah, um, uh, and
1: why? I I out of interest, why was that?
0: I just I've seen that he's won quite a few fights recently and he seems to be on a brawl, but I don't know, it feels like this might be Oliveira going down and Dariush going up and sort of a passing and an exchange at this point in time and it, it feels like a lot of people write off Oliveira when he gets these fights. Um again, correct me if I'm wrong here, but yeah, I I would have expected maybe another fight for Oliveira
1: Dariush is, is almost a bit reminiscent for me of, of two people who have worn a very similar path to him in terms of maybe not attracting accolades at the time would be one Khabib and two Usman. What, in the, just
0: before we get where's what's um, Poirier doing at the moment? Has he got a fight lined up? Because he seems to be sort of in the ether.
1: He's, I don't think he has. He, he's been chirping about a bit. I mean, I th- I suspect that he might be trying to line up the winner of... McGregor-Chandler because obviously he's got history with both of them. Um, he's quite a big star in terms of selling. I'm sure he will be hoping Conor wins so that he can have number three with Conor. And of course, Conor would probably want a bit of revenge after the leg breaker as well. Has he fought, I'm sure he has, has he fought Gagey? Yes. Beat Gagey,
0: I believe. Okay. Porrier. I was going to say because that obviously Gagey and uh, Fizaev... Uh, next week, aren't they? Yep. In the same division, so all wondering whether that might be a potential next fight for him if he takes the winner of that, and then obviously whatever's happening with Islam um, and the next yeah, fight. Yeah, I think.
1: I mean, the winner of that surely gets Islam again. So, Oliver unless Oliver there's gets, a Volkanovski rematch, uh, yes, unless there's that. Uh, but I think Volkanovski even said to me that his next fight was going to be back. At 145, so he's taking on Rodriguez, who got the interim at the same event. So I think Makalev probably waits out for that winner, would be my suspicion. So Would you be backing Darius then? He's, he, he's, he's a grinder, he's very underrated, good all-round skills, but pr- very wrestling heavy. Um, Very much, again, I haven't got his record in front of me, but I'm sure a lot of his wins were originally decision.
0: 22 in four,
1: one draw. But he he was very, he's quite, as you say, he's not a fan favourite. He's not like watching a Gagey or a Chandler or someone like that who's going to be drawn into a slugfest to say, reminiscent of a very early Usman but before Usman seemed to hit this peak, and this is what Darius has done, has started to find his, his his stand up. He was just a wrestler to take people down, dominate them, lay and pray, win a three round decision. And I, as I say, I may well be doing him a disservice here, but I have a feeling a lot of his previous wins fell into that kind of um, three round decision. Category. Last,
0: yeah, last few fights: decision, unanimous decision, unanimous decision, split, chaos, spinning black fist, uh, KO, punch, um, submission submission and then decision unanimous there and then his loss which last loss was back in 2018 against Hernandez got KO'd but no interesting and, and we'll see Um and obviously we'll, we'll keep his eye on that but bonus segment then So, named after the late Stefan Bonner, this is the point in the show in which we review and discuss some of the greatest and most memorable fights in MMA history. We give our listeners a bit of fun homework, we'll post the fight to watch on our Twitter page for the following week, and then run through it. This week, you finally listened to me, you chose one that wouldn't bore the life out of me, an absolute slugfest, and weirdly, Strikeforce, with Nate Diaz and
1: Paul Daly. England's very own Semtex to say that the bad boy banished from the UFC. This is prior to that, if I'm not mistaken. All joking aside, before we get into it, have you ever seen a better first round ever? No. Absolutely. No. The definition of a seesaw. Up and down, up and down One in terms of the... And goes almost right to the very last second of the first round. Um, testament to Nick Diaz's toughness in terms of what he weathered. Paul Daly had one of the... Fiercest left hooks ever like the mike tyson just realized i've
0: said nate diaz i've just done him a disservice there as well nick it's an awful awful podcast so far apologies nick
1: but that left hook that paul daly had was it's called semtex for a reason It, it was explosive it had ridiculous power um i mean it's one of the only times because it only lasted around I got a bit caught up after we did last week so I went home and watched it then and then rather than usually when I make a few notes because I've been picking really boring fights I haven't actually got any notes but I think it doesn't it open Paul Daly drops him pretty quickly and you think fucking hell here we go there's no way Nick does it, it, has it ever been finished this quickly seems to recover drops Daly and you think how did that happen get back up gets back into, into more of a, a, a slugfest Daily drops Diaz again, second time. And you think, oh, that's a role reversal round. Then Diaz drops Daly for a second time each and then just swarms him and the ref calls it off. Literally seconds before the I end think of the it's,
0: round. Is it four minutes
1: uh, 57 or it's something like that? Literally seconds, as you say. And I mean, you, you, you had to say there's a point where Daly looks all right and he backs off and he just falls over, doesn't he? There was a, a real big stagger, and you don't realise the kind of accumulation of it. that. That's, both Diaz brothers were very good at volume and, and the amount, whereas Paul Daly was far less punches, but just pure savageness of the power. Um, what was, while we're on subjects, Strike Force then? So Strike Force was a, uh, a, call it a second tier promotion, if that's not doing them a disservice, but they were, at the time, not the UFC, uh, and I think they were ultimately bought by the UFC. So their fighters were absorbed into um, the UFC. But it was, as you say, kind of at the time, the second biggest promotion. Bellator was a bit different uh, then. Bellator was, um, Bellator was the original starter of the um, IPL tournament format so you know you have you take eight fighters they all fight and then it whittles down that's how bellator used to be and it used to be, bellator used to have what they call seasons so rather than events it was season 1 and it would be you know quarter finals semi final and one and then they moved on to seasons that was then bought by somebody else and they evolved it into more copying the ufc model but yeah strike force was a a smaller promotion based out of California. I did they just get absorbed into UFC eventually? Yes. Yeah, so the, 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 um, what I believe they, they did is they might have had... So I'll tell you how I think it happened. Remember the week before's um, bonus segment was Robbie Lawler. Yeah. So Robbie Lawler was in the UFC, cut, was strike force champion. And if I'm not mistaken, what they did when they absorbed it was say, right... For the undisputed title, we'll put the strike force welterweight champion, who was Robbie Lawler, against the UFC champion, which if I'm not I could definitely get this wrong, but maybe at the time was Rory McDonald and the UFC then uh Lawler won, got the undisputed title, so it's folded in and that led to that fight in the last bonus segment. But that's what I believe they did. So they have the strike force champion versus the UFC champion for then the undisputed. Got another one for us next week. So next week, bit more of a recent one, I thought this, uh, and again, I think actually this may have happened during our time filming the podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so I was going to go for Teixeira versus Prohaska for the UFC light heavyweight title, 275.
0: I don't think this did happen, or well, I think Teixeira-Prohaska 2 might have happened.
1: Was there a second one? There, um, No, because it fell away, didn't it?
0: Yeah, so that was the one that was supposed to happen because this—I don't think this took place.
1: If uh, it, it, it didn't June. happen, it was definitely early, just before we started. Because I'm sure I remember in That's one cool. of the very early ones talking about it. But I, I'll be honest—I haven't got it here again. I might be wrong, and we think we don't even know when we started this, do we? So, <laughs> to be fair, I think we said or I think it was about August last June year, June twelfth, twenty twenty-two. this one, so yeah, it would have been before then. So I'm, I'm incorrect, but um, again, a. Not a five-rounder, but I believe that went four rounds. It's a bit more recent in the memory of this one. As long as there's a finish, I'm uh, I'm always happy to watch it. So we'll go for that one. Uh, as usual, we'll stick the link up and people can watch it um, and we'll discuss next week.
0: You're a bit happier about football this week, aren't you?
1: I wouldn't say I'm back in love with it, but I'm certainly not the jumping off changes. the cliff. The smile changes we've got to start with it haven't we I feel like I'd be doing a disservice to all of the other podcasts where i probably overly talk about Liverpool if we didn't discuss the 7-0 thrashing of Man U I thought we were quite close
0: to be honest I uh, agree with Gary Nev
1: I can't deny that it was close for the first 40 minutes I think Liverpool had certainly statistically the more possession I haven't watched it back I'm not a muppet like that I was obviously watching it live but I'll be honest with you, it felt like one of those games, Man You were definitely in it, potentially had the more clear-cut chances, and it felt very much like a, a rope-a-dope for me, that they were weathering the Liverpool storm, we didn't have a great deal of chances, and I th- I could just see coming a mile away that they were going to smash and grab us. Uh, and then we settled the nerves with a goal 43rd minute, I just think it was, minute, just yeah. before half-time, which again, I feel like I'm repeating myself, how many times do I say that? That's the heartbreaker and the momentum killer. Just before half-time, he sucks the life out of the other team. The only thing that would affect
0: them more is if you then scored straight after uh, in the second half as well. And
1: then another quick one. And from three, they just absolutely lost their Reds, man. You didn't they? they were. Um, I can't even pretend that it was a game where Liverpool were that good. Liverpool were a... 7 out of 10, and I think grew into it with the confidence and with their tails up. Man, you were atrocious in the second half. A disgrace.
0: Yeah, I thought you were absolutely fine. I didn't think... It's certainly better than you've recently been. I think is a big clarification there. I think some games that you've played recently, you've been awful to watch. Not just quality-wise, but haven't looked threatening and have looked like you're going to go... The one that you... uh, Brentford. I remember the Brentford game. That's the one that I always go back to where you just looked completely lost at
1: sea. Um, well, we looked in, like, man, you did. Every yeah. time Brentford attacked, they it looked like you were And that's what happened by the end. When it's 3-0. That was literally what it happened, when They were, they Agreed. were a shocker. And I think
0: he's got a lot of shit online about this, as Gary Neville. Um, a lot of people saying that he's spat his dummy out and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's always good old Twitter, which we always seem to mention these days, um, where he's just been slaughtered. Soon as comes out at the end of the game, basically rubs it in his face. A little bit like, really happy child. You've got a Man U fan in front of you. I'm sure you would, if you... I mean, you'll you'll have done it with your mates. You'll have done it in a group chat with your mates, where you're like, oh, you shit, all this sort of stuff. Sooners should be held in a little bit of a higher regard because of the fact that he's supposed to be a good pundit. Don't really like Sooners anyway. I think he talks nonsense most of the time. But, the way that he would, like, sort of, chirping at Gary Neville and sort of tapping at Carragher as he's saying it and saying, oh, look what he's saying, all this sort of stuff. I think Neville got it spot on in that I thought in the first half, you might disagree and the compromise will come to is that they definitely had the better chances. But I thought that Man U were arguably the better team. But as soon as you score before half-time and as soon as that second half comes out, they completely lost their heads and you kept it on them. And that's all you need to do, really, to win these sort of games. But it was definitely a combination of them being atrocious and you being good. I'm not saying that you did, you weren't good, and I think that's some of the things that's been taken out of context for Neville. But soon as turning around and saying no, this has always been coming. Um, Manchester United have been looking on the ropes in the majority of games that they've played this season. They, they definitely were expecting a thrashing. I just thought it was
1: nonsense. Yeah, and I think he took a chance with glee to rub it into Neville. Yeah, didn't he? No, he it did. was he was giving it to stick to him. I'm not his biggest fan, and actually I can't stand Neville, but there's very little I disagree with that he'll say as a pundit. I have to say he's he's he's, he's turned it round in my eyes. I might not like him, but that doesn't mean I definitely don't respect what he says. I The only thing I would caveat that with is that I think there's an element of truth to some degree in what Sunez says on both sides that... I do think Man U have flattered to deceive this way and Ten Hag has got them overperforming where they are. I think there's some, definitely some truth in that. In some games, they won, they maybe shouldn't have. I also think there's a little bit of truth in that that has been coming for Liverpool. We haven't been anywhere near the team we've been in the last four or five years um, and they've been a very disappointing. I'm uh, woeful to watch, ironically, in a lot of games like the recent one. Um, I can't even remember what we were talking about recently. Was it Fulham
0: um potentially anyway, yeah they've,
1: they've, been, they've been but I do feel that once it, it'd been coming that someone was going to get a thrashing um the couple of uh, 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 the, the real high point for me which I have to say was I mean two there were two points Salah becoming highest ever premier league top scorer overtaking Robbie Fowler which I think is well deserved and incredible given that he was bought as a winger you know again what he's, he's he's kind of messied himself in terms of taking himself from a a uh, a more stereotypical winger to that sort of inverted forward on on the side of a front three um and gakpo finally shows up to a game um his all round game was the best by a, a country mile that he's played, and his two finishes were exquisite so one in it's, particular.
0: it's almost like a player that comes in in January might meet. A Little bit more than a single month to acclimatize uh, the best league in the world.
1: You've been saying it, you've been. I've been giving him a fair bit of stick to be fair. Um, you've been saying you you know for two or three games you think he'll come good and he's starting to show. That was his, 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 um, it's the old phrase which you probably can't say these days, and it slightly does that coming out party. That you know, that was where he showed up, and you're suddenly like, This is a player, and that the real comparator for me which I think was crazy is that Anthony I mean if there's ever been a more one footed player in the Premier League I, I can't remember seeing him um, was over double what we pay for Gakpo, and I thought we ever paid for Gakpo at the time um, but very very um, delighted for him he's been getting some stick you know Liverpool fans have been a little bit the stick's cautious. come from you yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I think nobody was overly sold on is he the man to solve that. What he does seem to be trying to be groomed by Klopp to do, and now seems to have found that role in that match was potentially his Firmino's successor as the kind of false nine because he, he's he's a big lad, isn't he? he well, he's, yeah. he's good at that. Is Klopp? He's quite a good groomer. He's uh, he, he's six four, I believe. So he's a massive unit. I mean, he's not the. um the stoutest or the thickest frame. I think it would be fair to say he's, he's a bit gangly. Um, but that he, he's played that role, for, I think this is eight games he's had for us. I'm pretty sure he's played as the nine in, say, six of them. And he, he looked like he was um, a little bit lost at sea. Out familiar, I think, mainly for PSV, where they're playing him off the left side of a front three. Um, and he played the first couple of games like that. But yeah, that seemed to me as his real... Um, Finally clicked for him, and he he looks like he could be part of the start in front three to replace Firmino, who is obviously going at the end of the season. And really good to see him get the last sort of seventh goal as well as a, as in his in what will be surely his last match for Liverpool against Manu.
0: Champions League, then, um, not something that you'll want to talk about next week, I'm sure, unless another miracle happens. Um,
1: little bit perkier after that uh, that result that it might happen. Um,
0: we'll, 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 we'll see. Some interesting results. Um, the end of big Scotty Parker, Benfica, absolutely destroyed Club Bruges. Uh, it was 5-1. I think the aggregate, were it like 7-1 at the end? Seven-one. I mean, they were massively
1: awful. overachieving. They had a really, really good group stage. They? they shocked everybody. And then they sat through. the manager. And then they sat the manager. <laughs> and they got and then the guys were arguing, which just seems... <laughs> not the man to give you hand your champions league glory from belgium uh, i would have thought but um chelsea potter yeah. keeps his job and well, keeps be because a...
0: leeds have saved another man's job and another team's season like we did with newcastle the other year um yeah and it's a good result for them 2-0 dortmund um getting them through they looked as though they were definitely going out in that first round the first leg cuz they looked awful um they got a little bit lucky, I'll be honest. you see the penalty that this scored? I did not know. Because so I've been retake. out of love
1: recently, so I've been watching as much football as I
0: used to. But, so the, um... the, pen... <laughs> the penalty that they got was one of these stupid, I'm going to kick the ball really hard to try and cross it, your arm's down by your side, it's hit your arm, and therefore it's handball. And it went to VAR and all this nonsense, and I'm like, what a ridiculous decision. He takes the penalty, does have it, misses the penalty. Someone's encroached in the box, so he gets a retake and scores it.
1: Okay, I, I didn't know that. I saw it was a penalty. That happens, your manager, do you let the same replay no. take the penalty? No,
0: not a chance in hell. Agreed. How many times have we said this on this point? Harry Kane still upsets me that he, he took that again. but
1: Slightly different because that was his second penalty in, in the game. But I, don't it, take two retake, penalties. I, I totally agree with you. I'm, I'm saying, I'm, don't take two penalties. For me, you've done that, bang, right. Who's number two penalty taker? No, Sterling, whether that would be or. Um, I'm not sure who at Chelsea that would be after Mason Mount maybe after Havertz Jesus
0: Christ, I'm um, changing mind. get Havertz to take second
1: but yeah I wouldn't have definitely let him take it after that if that's what happened More um,
0: um, Champions League heartbreak for the big spenders in France
1: You've got to wonder um, how long I mean what op- option can they do but keep changing the manager which they do but how long they will keep pumping that money and investment in when they keep failing on the European stage? I mean, obviously, last year they didn't even win the, the league, did they? Good old
0: potch. Um, getting back at Spurs.
1: I mean, what? A, how Spursy can you possibly be? Then we're going to have a manager who's. I mean, it, it, it's like if Liverpool suddenly we, we talked about suddenly go on a right. Let's fire Klopp. It's been our best manager for a hundred. Fire him. We suddenly have two on paper really good managers and then we go back and uh, get clocked back That I mean it's all, writes itself with Spurs you couldn't even talk about a more spurs thing than fire your best manager for it for however many years who brought you did he get he did get him a trophy or did he not did he not get him the no. league cup no <laughs> they a trophy I know in... did. God knows um, how long but like right, let's get rid of him and then now let's bring him back. Yeah, let's so bring him back Spursy after it's, it's drawing
0: 0 0 to Milan and getting a man sent off and losing 1 0 in aggregate.
1: The interesting point for me is let's be fair, I think Poch has been probably choosy. Maybe I've been offered a few jobs, maybe turned him down since he was at PSG, being a bit choosy, and no one seems to maybe have come along with either something that will tempt him. Is, I'd said to you, the rumours are that. Uh, Don Carlo might be given the boot from Real in the summer. And I did read that Real are now considering Poch.
0: No. No? No. Not a chance now. So I was I, going to I say, if Poch gets that. the
1: choice, but the, 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 the heartfelt and emotional return to Spurs or Real, where's he going to go? It's a pretty easy choice, isn't it? I think it's a really easy <laughs> choice. Like, but I'm just... But you don't think Real would consider him?
0: No. Not a chance now. Why would you? If you're Real Madrid, you're going to want a good manager. You don't want someone who has failed to win a trophy in his first season with what is essentially the only team in France at the moment there's no
1: competition there you're about to boot the greatest ever manager in Champions League history I think was he won it four, four different teams is it three different probably teams probably
0: won it this season as well Yeah, um, for past them
1: yeah, probably getting knocked out the, really oh, yeah, I'm out sure, of I'm but, sure but they were do will. you know what I mean like, that takes some balls to, to, to get rid of Don Carlo and we did discuss this at the gym the other day we both felt if there was a front-runner, if it wasn't going to be Potch, it might be Raul, who's Casilia manager. That takes some fucking bravery, if you ask me, to boot one of the greatest managers of all time, with no exceptions, to put in a completely untested
0: former great. It's the in, in the ridge thing to do, though, isn't it? To try and do this. You've got, say, Barca and, and Xavi. You had Arteta and Arsenal. and. It, it, it admittedly doesn't work all that often but when it does work and when it does go right it goes fantastically right.
1: Unlike me to argue with you or not argue with you but point out flaws in your argument so you had Arteta, yes that was his first job but he was assistant at a super high performing team with Pep learning from the best I don't think that applies to Raul and Xavi did manage Al, Al Saeed? I'm not having that as a job. So
0: I've managed my local five a side team, so that counts
1: as a job. Doesn't and you've still got more experience than the former caretaker <laughs> at Leeds. I mean, <laughs> he was fucking his football, fucking whatever he said. But um, yeah, it I, I, I feels a. Ve- you're right, it is the rage. But if that feels. That's different. Arsenal were desperate. they didn- No one else was going to sign for him, you know. Barca and Real could have helped. I mean, Xavi, a career long player, bar. Al Did he leave it right at the end and go to Al I think so, yeah. But, you know, Raul did, was at Raul for the vast, vast majority, and he is at like the peak of his career, but did bounce around a few places afterwards, didn't he? But went no to one Shauke, that, though, went to America and somewhere else, I think. Probably.
0: Got a bit of money at the end of his um, career, I think. I can't but, remember what top
1: of my head. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a... <sighs> don't be surprised to see him get sacked within three or four months. And... He's apparently
0: doing quite a good job at Real Madrid-Castilla. Obviously it's a completely different job, appreciate that. But as I say, Leeds asked him to be the manager and he basically told us to do one. So he's clearly waiting for that job.
1: Yeah and that might make sense as to why he said no as well to other jobs if he's been given a tap on the shoulder to say, this is probably going to be a vacancy, come... Yeah. grooming
0: him like Klopp would. grooming.
1: Um, Spurs just sticking on that. Rich Allison
0: came out shortly after and did a very quick interview to the media. <laughs> not entirely sure whether he was supposed to be the man that would be speaking to the media, and certainly, I think spoke out a turn. He basically questioned Conte's selection decisions and said that his debut season was uh, shit, <laughs> to put it frankly. So he was out his,
1: um, his prime, I think,
0: didn't he? He absolutely did. Because the funniest thing is, he's obviously a big money signing for Spurs. I thought it was too much money when they were getting from Everton. I think that's probably above his pay grade. I'm still surprised by how young he is. I always imagine him as like a 30-year-old. Um, Conte has then come out after this and said, uh, he said his season was shit. And he's right. His season has not been good. He's had injuries, played and scored in the Champions League, then went to the World Cup and had a serious injury. He's got no goals for us. I think he was really honest to say that his seasons were not good. His season hasn't finished yet. And if he deserves to play, I'll give him the opportunity. For the rest of the interview, I think he understood that he'd made a mistake. When you speak of I and not us, you have being selfish. I don't think he plays again for Spurs this season.
1: I mean, Conor, it's not wrong, is it, in some ways, as a manager? Well, Conor, Conor is going to be out. on I his mean, is... way out. In exactly. Australia. I mean, that, but that, does that not suspicious timing or not suspicious coincidental timing as well from Richardson that he feels safe enough to say that now. Because Conte is not the type of manager, if you think he's going to be there long-term, you speak out against is it. So I think that almost guarantees that everybody... You know, his his contract is up at the end of the season. The only question is, does he get booted before? It's definitely gone by the summer, isn't
0: he? Yeah, I think he stays until the end of the season because there's no real benefit to going before the end of the season unless you've got a replacement lined up. And certainly if you're someone like Pochettino... And if it is the person that they're going for, and we do think it's Potch, then you wait till the end of the season. You have your full pre-season. There's no added pressure, and you can take your time to rebuild from what you want to rebuild. So, um, one of the things I just wanted to highlight this week, and I've meaning to highlight it for a number of weeks now. It gets right on my tits whenever I see it. I don't know why I read it every week. Jones knows predictions on Sky Sports. They do it every week. I'm pretty sure it's one of these tipsters who says oh if you you bet on this through sky bet these are the really good odds please put your money on it so it's almost certain that he's doing it on purpose to be shit let me run through these results for you and i'm going to re-highlight them next week once none of these results are correct and i might even message jones nose and call him a prick
1: so this is sorry predictions from last week and the actual scores and no this, this is predictions, is predictions for, for this week, week. Well, so okay. I,
0: I thought i'd be fair on him and um if we're, we're highlighting it we don't know the next week's results, so, well, if you do, please let me know but, um Bournemouth and Liverpool, can you guess what he's gone for?
1: If you say it like that, Bournemouth win.
0: He's gone for a Liverpool win, he's gone 2-1. 2-1? 2-1. I,
1: I've got to be honest, I don't disagree with Jones either, I would have said that.
0: Don't call him Jonesy. Um, Everton-Brideford. 1-0. Have you got them in front of you here? No, exactly. <laughs> it's one all. Is it? Uh, Leeds Brighton, two one Brighton, three one Brighton. Disagree, because Leeds will win that. Uh, Leicester versus Chelsea, one nil Chelsea, two nil Chelsea. You're quite close on these. It's a bit worrying <laughs> actually. Spurs and Forest, two nil Spurs,
1: one all. Okay.
0: Yeah, you'll notice there's a recurring factor that Palace and City, three one City. One all. Okay,
1: Jamesy not know think.
0: Fulham and Arsenal.
1: Two one Arsenal.
0: Three nil Arsenal. Man U 2-0 Manu and Southampton. Two nil Manu. One nil Manu. I'm gonna start calling you Ian Jones Abel. West Ham and Villa. One all. One all. And Newcastle and Wolves. 1-0. One 1-0. One <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're, they're not outrageous. <laughs> <That's> just, <laughs> they're not outrageous. That's course.
0: ridiculous. Anyway. So what's
1: outrageous about them? All terms? of
0: them. Well, first of all, Leeds are going to beat Brian. Okay.
1: <laughs> Secondly. Says so the man who said "Like We'll probably get humbled.
0: Yeah, we'll probably get knackered. Secondly, Man City are not drawing against Palace. Palace yeah, have I, been horrendously horrendous definitely
1: that, That's the one that jumps out as what's going on here. But Man City do have a rick in them, don't they? Fulham Arsenal. Fulham will score. I think they'll lose, but they'll score. Yeah. I, 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 point we were talking about earlier in the week, aren't they like the most efficient team in terms of goals in the Premier yes, League? Yes, so they've of got the least
0: expected goals and I think they're up there for most con- or expected goals conceded, something like that, which is really weird um, because obviously they're, they're well above the pay grade at the moment. Um, Spurs and Forest. You can see Forest going to Spurs and getting a one-all draw.
1: You're not expecting a reaction I mean, after midweek? he's just making the point about Spurs being Spurs, it seems to me. But Are we just predicting Spurs, 1-0 for I everything? I think Spurs win that probably, not comfortably, yeah. but by a goal or two. Yeah.
0: The point being, I'm going to highlight all these next week, and I would be shocked if he's got more than one right. I'm going to say more than two. Well, but when we
1: say right, what we say is in the result on. or the type, the exact score. The exact score. And is that what he's predicting in terms of saying, bet on this? Because yes. The... Well, that's ridiculous. I mean, again, if you take the essence of what he's saying, so you maybe did an accumulator, which I think is silly anyway, but on who was to win, or the result, not necessarily the score, as we just showed on your court, I wouldn't disagree with, maybe Spurs and Man City are the two that I would disagree with. Apart if you put that, a
0: fiver would... on all those results, you'd probably win about 15 grand. Way more than that. <laughs> like, and you <laughs>
1: Unless you cashed out a little bit earlier. Well done, Curtis. How's that one feel still? Still stinging? It's going to
0: be highlighted every week. Uh, Last bit on football then. So we discussed last week about time wasting. Um, FIFA has come out and said that they want World Cup-style timekeeping to be adopted globally next season. So 100-minute games should become more routine in domestic leagues. Not every game is 50 minutes per half, but to expect at least 10 minutes uh, of stoppage time if people keep doing what they're doing. Uh, football's international rule-making body, IFAB, have also announced plans to increase the effective time being played during matches with five key areas, them being substitutions, player injuries, penalties and red cards, uh, VAR and goal celebrations, and that's all used when calculating overall stoppage time rather than just an estimate. Um, do you remember, and I'm going to butcher his name here, Perluji Kalina
1: yes the most famous referee, most famous referee ever referee.
0: the scariest looking referee of looks all time. like
1: the scream for yeah, all, um, <laughs> really does. um, painting doesn't he
0: um, he has said that he believes that players will stop time wasting once the correct amounts of time are uh, applied at the end of the game or during uh, half time he has also suggested see what you think of this one and this is, I'm, I'm excited to see your face a baseball mercy rule in football so do you know what the baseball mercy rule is no So baseball's mercy rule is used at international tournaments and at some um, sort of college levels in in the US. Essentially, it ends a game when one team builds... seven
1: new up. Yeah,
0: ironically, um, builds a big lead after a certain number of innings. So he said, maybe in the future we consider within the laws of the game that additional time has not to be given at the end of the match if there is a difference of X amount of goals between the team. So not that the game would stop. But if, for example, you're 7-0 up and you get to the 90th minute, they don't add on four minutes added time because it doesn't affect things, unless it's a game in which, uh, like, a first leg of a, a tournament, because obviously every goal counts
1: in that. I might surprise you here, and given it comes from America, I kind of hate myself for this, but I wouldn't be against that. Look, I mean, look at the 7-0. When it gets... Not... I, even mercy in terms of added time. Just let him out. At 7-0, just like at 85 minutes, just let him get to the finish. It was that woeful. I mean, that just highlights a point that I didn't say at the time, but look at how appalling Fernandez was. Wasn't tracking back. I hate that. Prick. Pushing um, the linesman. He just want, Literally, mer- that's what it would be, like a mercy kill. A child, it? he, will he, like. he, it he was like. He was. He was an embarrassment. Aesthetic. But I'm not, I'll be honest, I'm not horrendously against that. The, I suppose the argument would always be, well, where do you then set What's the mercy setting? Is it 3-0? Well, that's the point. Nil, isn't it? So like you we would have to
0: have X amount of goals. I don't think three and four is enough. I think if you, you, you've got to be talking your fives at least, if not six and seven. Because 3-0, we've seen ridiculous comebacks in the last minutes of games. I couldn't tell you one off the top of my head. I'm trying to think. I was going to say,
1: have we ever seen a th- come, someone come back from 3-0 in the 90th minute to pull back? Try um, to think what was the Spurs obviously.
0: and Leicester won. Was it an equaliser
1: and a winner? Yes. I mean, three, I think, is, seems a fair cut off. But four, I, I see your point. I think you've got four, anything more than four. You can't tell me at 90 minutes, even if there's 10 minutes added on, someone's going to get five goals or four goals. Yeah. That, and I think, I think the, only,
0: the only argument against it is goal difference in it. And I think if it's like a relegation threatened team and it's going to go down to goal difference at the end of the season, them saying, well, if you'd have added on another five minutes, like they should have been, and we scored one goal, we say, up. so unlikely, don't get go me wrong. Very good point. But no,
1: no, very good point. And lines you up for the type of arguments that a team that went down, oh, if we hadn't have had the mercy so-and-so, I hadn't thought of that. And when you look at it like that, then that's a very compelling argument to not do it. I'm going
0: to argue against myself, though, because... If you are 4 or 5 nil down, are you going to be pushing for another goal, really? Or are you just going to be like, just end this game, get me off this pitch, can't be asked.
1: Depends on the time of season. It's a very good point that, you know, you are in the relegation zone, 35, 36 games in on goal difference, and if, you know, you're getting battered 3 nil, shit, we might, you know, that in the live league, as it shows, that moves you down into the seventh, that that could make a point. You looked at
0: Leeds, Leeds went into the relegation zone um, over
1: the weekend and then stayed up built on goal difference in this. So. so, yeah, I think yeah, I, as much as I was about to say, I quite like that idea. I think that's that's a very compelling reason to not bring it in.
0: Usyk is not happening, is it? Certainly not going to happen. Fury's ducking
1: him. It's just,
0: it's... It makes me sad at this point because especially when we talk, obviously, every week about how excited we are for these big fights in UFC and how the best of the best normally fight the best of the best. Boxing just never or hasn't seemed that way in a long, long time. This seems like it should be a really easy fight to make. Um, It's all a squabble over money. Fury says that it's not about money. Clearly is. (laughs) I'm not entirely sure how he can phrase it as not being about the money when he's released this stupid video on Instagram, as we always expected. Did it with AJ saying that um, Usyk and his team are only worth 30%, and if he doesn't take it, he can go and fight Daniel Dubois. At the copper box for a few million dollars. And I think he said, um, which well, is something stupid like, every day you take to get back to me, I'll deduct 1%. It's like, ah, I'm just bored of it.
1: You showed me it today. I think there's there's two sides to the argument which you can make, which is if Usyk is about the money, which we don't, we, I think we're both unanimous that he's not. He's a warrior and he, he's not bothered about that. He's more interested in the prestige. Then. I definitely see the argument that he'll probably make more money with 30% from Fury than he would with 90% against Dubois. So if he's about the money, in some ways that makes the point. I said to you, and I very strongly believe, the only way that someone in this stupid era where you're releasing bullshit like this on social media to actually flush it out is Usyk immediately comes back and says, Done. Take your 30%. What's the reason you're not going to fight now? And immediately then, unless Fury says, right, okay, it's on, sign it, any other reason then but someone agreeing to the terms he said, it doesn't happen, it's clear that he's ducking him, isn't it? And it's absolutely, Fury, oh, sorry, Usyk has absolutely flushed him out, as in, you're just a pussy and you're ducking me. So I know you disagreed with me earlier that you think that because he's got. such a proportion of the the world titles that he shouldn't have to submit to Fury's will, if you like, and take that kind of... Fury's not the person to be dictating what percentage. I think the sensible thing here is to say, done. Alright. I'm not that bothered about that. I'll beat you anyway. Um, I'll take it. And then I would almost guarantee Fury still don't go through with it.
0: I understand entirely what you're saying, and as you say we're quite unanimous in the fact that it's quite clear that Usyk isn't about the money I think he wants the prestige of being the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world which who wouldn't in that division and that's what I would have hoped that Tyson Fury would have been pushed by but conversely to that I cannot for the life of me understand anyone who would agree having been a unified world heavyweight champion of the world world heavyweight champion of the world um why anyone would agree to a 70-30% split against you. It just it wouldn't happen. It, it cannot happen. And it's the prestige that the the title brings. And if we're saying that someone who holds, correct me if I'm wrong here, three titles, I think he holds three of them. Um,
1: he yeah, he there's four. So I think he holds three of the, the four ring. and it depends if you can include the ring as, the, as what people would say. Um, fly, but yeah, I think you're right.
0: But you can't say that someone who is holding all but one of the titles deserves 30% of that split. I appreciate that a lot of people argue that Tyson Fury is the draw. Um, And certainly one of my mates that we're talking to said exactly the same. And on that point, I have the top 10 UK-bought pay-per-views. So just to establish what I mean by that is not necessarily fights that were based in the UK, but fights based anywhere in the world and the specific amount of buys from people in the UK.
1: And what's the question? What are they? Wait, in terms uh, of uh, numbers or... or Because if I had to guess, we obviously talked last week about the two biggest selling ever. I would be shocked if they aren't the two biggest bought in the UK. So that would be Pacquiao, Mayweather number one, and Mayweather, Connor number two.
0: No. Interestingly. So... Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor is number one, That uh, is number ten. Sorry, with one million. Okay, Usyk Chisora is above that.
1: Didn't see that one coming.
0: With it's one point zero five nine million. Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather, Ricky Hatton is eighth with one point one five million. Klitschko and David Haye is above that, and that's one point one seven
1: English English. Boxer fans, we were invested in Hay at the time. It was a a very stagnant time for for heavyweight boxers then.
0: Six is AJ versus Usyk one at 1.2. Five is AJ versus Povetkin, which surprises me. Four is Hay versus Bellew. Uh, Three is AJ versus Ruiz 2. Two is AJ versus Klitschko, and one, the worst one for me is AJ versus Joseph Parker.
1: Jesus. Yeah we have got that in it's a month for Sundays.
0: Um but the point that I'm making there is Usik is top is in the top ten twice there. So he isn't exactly a lack of a draw in and how many, many times is Fury in that? Uh none
1: So I mean you've that's a good fact based argument to say that Fury isn't bringing the eyes. I mean, obviously, that is UK buys. Yeah. So does that, that doesn't... So like
0: Wilder, for example, Wilder um, and Fury, I'm sure, was probably above those in total because the US buys for that will be horrendously yes, and, and large. Yes, that,
1: that's, that's the point, I suppose, isn't it? That, as you say, that is a, an interesting stat but has to be looked at through the filter that that's just who English boxing fans want to see, not as a proportion of the world. But what, what was the highest out of this? So the, number one, what was that?
0: 1.832 million. Wow. Which doesn't sound that much, I'll be honest, really. And, and certainly it upsets me that Joseph Parker is What there. did
1: we have last week? Was it the top five? We went down to it. Did we go top ten? It, it was top sure five it was like in the world, point I think. something was number one. So there's not that, that 1.8. I think it was more than in that. In the UK, sure you think to yourself, like, that's a huge percentage of UK-based fans must have been buying that and basically no one else in the world was remotely interested in Because they weren't. Well, because who wants to watch...
0: I'm um, oh, sorry, AJ and Parker. Yeah, who wants to watch that? I remember, I think I went to a casino to watch that and it was one of the most boring fights I've ever seen. It was just basically AJ trying to knock him out but couldn't knock him out and Parker
1: not really doing much in response. Um, yeah, I do remember that fight wasn't a great spectacle, was it? No, Again, but... it's one that everybody really thought AJ was going to run through him.
0: But... It looks like we're going to get Usyk Dubois and God knows who Fury is going to be fighting. Joyce? Wilder again? Not interested. I mean, it's just not, yeah. I'm not interested in the slightest. But
1: Both woefully anticlimactic, but it will be interesting to see how Usyk does deal with that in terms of uh, the, the point from Fury. Because I think that only came out this afternoon, from what you said, so that yeah. he hasn't really had time to put some kind of response together so I would be interested to see um, whether he does what my suggestion would be, so if I do it uh, or whether he's I I can't see it um, or whether there is something different But um, What I
0: I do think uh, we should see, if we can't see that is uh, Adonis Creed who is obviously the other World Heavyweight Champion spoilers for the end of Creed 3 fighting one of them, I think he'd knock them both out Good film. A really good film, actually. I definitely recommend it. Um, it's one that I think would be worth your time going to the cinema to see. I know you don't tend to go to the cinema that often, but.
1: I mean, it used to. Just hasn't been that many fights, and particularly with, you know. Only fights. Co- uh, films <laughs> and, and um, streaming services now. They're very quickly released onto streaming, aren't they? But yeah, it has been a. Um, I think the last film I saw was probably Top Gun 2.
0: Which I still haven't seen, and yeah, I do need to see that. But speaking of which, I think the Luther film is on Netflix, so I might watch that tonight. I
1: did see that pop-up. I haven't really ever got into Luther. Before. Oh, it's definitely Something worth with. watching. I know you've said about it, but I did pop- see that being advertised and pushed on there but there's a film.
0: there's the four seasons the Luther, maybe five seasons, so you've got to watch them all before watching the film. As a fun task for you this weekend. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not a st- one of those standalone films that you don't need to see all the seasons. You could
0: do, but you're going to be missing... A shit ton of characters. Like, we won't watch Scream 6 without watching Scream 1 to 5. You'd understand the story, but there's loads of characters and plot holes and I stuff bet but that, that, that you would assume. 6 at.
1: isn't based on all the other five That is, yeah. It's got
0: um, like four characters. I think some characters from the first one. I think Ski Ulrich. The Ski doo guy. Uh, well, whether he's in it or not, you know, spoilers. And uh, if if Scream wants to sponsor this podcast, please feel free to get in touch with us on Twitter. <laughs> I doubt it'll happen there. Um, But as always, thanks very much for listening, everybody. And we'll speak to you next week.